0: Hello and welcome back to Generation Collaboration. I'm Sanakshi. And I'm Brayden. Today's conversation is about the current legal system and the inequalities people face today, especially youth.
1: Today we'll be talking to Ellen Clark, a recent graduate from North High School in Denver and previous member on the Denver Mayor's Youth Commission, and Vanessa Gates, the Lone Tree Teen Court Coordinator and the Youth Service Coordinator. Before we jump in, if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at CO Young Leaders. We hope you enjoy this episode of Generation Collaboration.
2: To start
0: off, I was wondering if I could get a little bit of background on both of you, Vanessa and Ellen. So yeah, I just graduated from high school and
2: I was on the mayor's Youth Commission. I um, am going to DU next year um, and I'm going to study to be a lawyer. Um, So the legal system is something that really interests me and I am very passionate about sort of how, like the discrepancies, sorry, the discrepancies and how we treat people
3: um, of different backgrounds in the legal system in America. Very nice. Thanks for sharing. I'm excited for you. Um, well, a little bit about me. I uh, am a native of Colorado, grew up in Douglas County, so I have big roots there, and I also uh, work for the city of Lone Tree, so um, that is part of Douglas County, and I, uh, my career goal is to see everyone and everything as love, so working on that.
1: I love that. Thank you. Okay. Very difficult question. What does justice mean to you?
3: What justice means to me is accountability and genuinely working at repairing the harm that was caused. Excellent. Ellen?
2: Okay. So to me, justice means everyone gets an equal solution to a problem and that um, everyone can have access to solutions and that everyone is, I don't want to say like treated the same, but, like... Treated the same and is able to get the same outcome as someone else to the same problem, if that makes any
0: sense. Yeah, it does. And both of you being a part of the teen court process and obviously over the years having experience with that, what are some challenges that you feel like teens or youth face in the justice system?
3: I think one big challenge is being labeled, right? We're not our mistakes, Um, And there's, I see a lot of shame and guilt around the teens coming in who are repairing harm. And that can be really heavy on someone, no matter what your age. And so um, telling the teens and their parents, because sometimes the parents can be a little hard, um, their expectations are high for their kids. And so just letting them know that this is a space, teen court in Lone Tree, that they're allowed to have a mistake, but they're also allowed to grow from it and hopefully learn and build character and, and resilience from the the mistake that was made.
2: Yeah. Um I would say kind of the same thing that like being involved in that process as a young person is very traumatizing. Um and you're there's this theory about um being labeled. And so when especially youth are labeled as deviant because of, like, how young they are and because of what society is saying about them, they they very much tend to step into that label and embrace it rather than trying to um, prove it wrong because it becomes so difficult to prove it wrong that they they really only have the choice to step into it, which just causes so much trauma and so much shame, like Vanessa said, and all sorts of problems.
1: I think that's a great call-out. Labels seem to be... a uh A predominant theme of a problem in a lot of our episodes that we've talked about is labels get put on a lot of people in a lot of different places from a lot of different backgrounds, and it really puts them in a box, and it makes you feel like you're in a box because you get that label, and now you feel like you have to live out that label, right? Um, So, obviously, both of you are from and work in very different communities, um, Ellen, you work in the Denver community and Vanessa from the Douglas County community. Um, so could you speak to your experiences in that community growing up um, and working in its legal systems, um, Ellen?
2: Yeah, so I went to a public high school in Denver. And so the, the school-to-prison pipeline was really prevalent, especially as I got to high school. Um, and just watching, like, youth of color, there was a huge problem at my school where teachers would always ask students of color if they had hall passes but white students would never be asked and that was a very prevalent like issue that I experienced I was never really asked if I had a hall pass on me I was kind of just allowed to go to the bathroom and I could have the hall pass I could even leave it if I needed to um but youth of color like always and this is like it doesn't seem like very important like oh hall passes but um it's very much going back to that idea of deviance Students are labeled as deviant from a very young age and um, sort of step into it. And that's, it starts in schools. And then um, a lot of my classmates have ended up going to prison because of issues at school. And they do tend to be youth of color.
3: Yeah. Um, I had a very different upbringing. I'm also a lot older than you guys. So uh, I went to Douglas County High School. There was only one high school. Right. People in Highlands Ranch were bust in. People in Parker were bust into Castle Rock. Um, so it was a very small, kind of rural feel to it. Not, I had one black friend in high school, and I think she might have been the only black person in our school. Um, and so it just was kind of a small town. You know, it was very much. Um, parents dealt with the problems um, school if you got in trouble you went to detention. I might have been there once or twice, twice <laughs> um, And so there just wasn't um, there wasn't a lot of police involvement but as I got into high school my father became a police officer. so um, I, I had a, a different lens where I kind of had to keep my nose clean on Friday nights he would show up at the parties. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, Dad, take Mom out. It's Friday. She deserves a night out. Um, so I really had kind of one foot in with the police, um, which, you know, was a benefit to me, but not to to others that didn't have that.
0: Yeah. Do you believe that stigmas around certain minority groups affect our justice system? Yeah. So to talk about the stigma stuff— um The criminalization of Black people
2: is a really big issue. And even though it started like kind of in the Reconstruction era, it's still very prevalent today. And it was kind of renewed through the war on drugs. And so a lot of like that thinking from that era, is it definitely still shows up in the modern, like how we deal with justice in the modern world. And so people who do get involved with, the justice process do end up becoming like very separated. Like there's a statistic out there about how one in 17 white men are predicted to go to prison in their lifetime, but one in three black men are predicted to go to prison in their lifetime. And so that, I think that definitely connects to the stigma. And then I forgot your second question, I'm sorry.
0: So since both of you are part of teen courts and like separate communities, what do you believe that you can do to create that change within your teen courts and make that a more inclusive environment.
2: Okay, yeah. Um, so going back to the school-to-prison pipeline, um, sort of finding a way to, because I just got out of high school, like this is the the issue that's prevalent to me, um, finding a way to like stop that. Um, I don't know how to make it sound more like um, deep, but um, sort of just finding... Finding a way to prevent students of color from being racially profiled at schools and stopping it in the schools so that it it doesn't become an issue um, later, later on, yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. I think we need more understanding, compassion, even love. Um, You tend to not see the person, right, in the system, You just see the act. So really what I am trying to cultivate in teen court with our volunteers is let's challenge our biases. Let's look. Um, Even microcultures, right? You could be living on the same block, but every household has a different culture. And what does respect look like in one house versus another house? So really kind of being in a space that's open to differences and knowing that's okay, um, but it can be hard because we all have our own biases and then that sometimes plays into um, into teen court. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that really what you were both saying plays into the idea of labels that we were talking about earlier is when you place these labels on people and you place a label of that that crime they committed or the act of harm that they um, put on somebody else, it's you tend to just see that label now. You're not seeing the person, you're not seeing the hurting person behind those labels because hurt people hurt people. When you put labels on people, you forget about that. And you forget about the humanity behind it. And um, a big focus of reforming our criminal legal systems today is implementing the idea of restorative justice. And I'd like to hear your experiences with restorative justice and your beliefs behind the practices. So Vanessa?
3: yeah, Um, I kind of fell into restorative justice, but it felt right. Like the feeling behind it, it made sense to me that we should be understanding, we should be holding people accountable, we should be working on repairing harm, we should have high impact dialogue, and that we should have it with each other. Um, On the other end, I have been a case manager for chronically homeless. My clients were labeled quite heavily. They had lots of trauma in their lives, which, when you have um, trauma in your life, you're living out of fight, flight, freeze. Right? You're not making decisions that somebody that is housed and safe that they can make, and so. Um, really trying to step into where my clients were at and understanding that space and not putting my, well, why don't you just do this? This is really easy. Just fill out the job application. Just fill out, you know, the apartment application. Um, It was just a lot of understanding and meeting people where they're at because we're all at different spots. And that's okay. And that's why you build a community and you have support so you can lift each other up and you don't know when, you know, or who lifts lifts you up. You can be a lifter and you can also need help.
1: I love that. And then Ellen.
3: Okay. Um, so
2: restorative justice and my experiences with restorative justice. My school called themselves a restorative justice high school, so—or restorative justice high school, so— When students were, like, they got in trouble with the teacher, they weren't suspended, they weren't, like, sent to detention or anything. They were sat down in a room with a dean and the teacher and talked about it. And so I think, personally, like, restorative justice, in theory, is a great, great idea, Um, but a lot of the practices and the way we practice restorative justice today need to sort of be reinforced, not reformed, but reinforced, um, and definitely, like, strengthened and... I don't know how it looks in the real world because I just, obviously my experience is only in high school with students my age. So um, like in order to reinforce, like we need to actually find ways to have restorative justice and have it be actually working and problems actually being solved through discussion and people working on the things that they need to work on in order to fix the problems that they have caused or that have been caused to them.
0: Yeah, and Ellen, I know you said that you wanted to be a lawyer and that's what you want to pursue, you know, going um, into college. Um, So looking at that, was there a certain experience or a certain moment that you realized you wanted to be a lawyer and participate in the justice system? Yeah, so I
2: have always been very, like, social justice-minded. And I never really could figure out a way to make a career for myself out of that. And so when I was 14, I read this book by Brian Stevenson, Just Mercy. I think it's a pretty well-known book, yeah. Um, And it just sort of, like, it really resonated with me. And I must have read it like four or five times because I just couldn't get enough of it. And so I just really, looking at what Brian Stevenson did with his life and how he sat down with people who weren't, being represented the way that they should be, um, I realized, like, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to save people's lives like that. Um, and so that sort of sprouted my my journey of figuring out what kind of law I wanted to do and, like, how I want to go on to represent people who don't have the resources to get good representation themselves. And so that sort of turned into I want to become a public defender for like homeless people or um, people who don't have the money or the resources to get themselves into better situations.
1: Going off of that point, I was listening to this, this guy talk about how it's better to be rich and guilty than poor and innocent because the justice system discriminates against not only race and gender, but what, even what class you're in in America. So how do you see money playing a role in our justice system, especially with youth Um, today, Ellen?
2: Yeah. So I'm going to use an example of someone I know who went to prison and his family didn't have the resources to hire him a good lawyer. And so it was definitely like, if he had had the money, he probably wouldn't be in prison. And that it just kind of, it makes, it breaks my heart because, and a quote from Brian Stevenson is, People are better than the worst things they've ever done. And I truly believe that. I truly believe that people commit crimes, yeah, but the crime doesn't define them. And we were kind of talking about this earlier. Themselves as a person are so much more than their crimes. And the justice system doesn't really pay attention to that. And like Vanessa said, like, you see the, you see the act, not the person. Um, so people are seen as the crime they commit. And that really, money really goes into that. Because if you don't have the money to hire good lawyers or fix the situation you are seen as that act you're not seen as the person behind it but if you have money
0: it's sort of you sort of become a person who
2: did an act
0: yeah and i think that's one of the objectives with restorative justice is to make that justice system more equal and more fair for all individuals whether they're you know poor or rich or whatever background they come from Um, Vanessa, I know you talked about repairing harm, and from there, uh, could you talk about what you meant by restorative justice or what restorative justice means to you?
3: So I think repairing harm is a really key element in restorative justice, and it looks different for each individual. So in teen court, we might have two theft cases, and they're both, you know, let's say 16-year-old girls, um, they come from middle-class families, um, have um, divorced parents. Like they they look the same on paper. But when you go in and you have that dialogue and we have the, the peer panel and the volunteers are asking the teen who's repairing harm questions, you know, what does um, your friend group look like? What, you know, what supports do you have? What... You know, what does X, Y, and Z look like? You start to get to know the person. Then you see these two same cases, but you see the person behind it, and it's going to look different in how they repair harm. So maybe they need to tell their parents, I'm really sorry. I messed up. I lost your trust, where the other teen, her parents are okay with that. Like, they understand, and they're more um, open to... Um, her making mistakes, right? It's gonna look a lot different. So just addressing each individual, and that's what I love about restorative justice. It's not a one-size-fits-all. You look at each person and who they are and and um, really creating um, a space for them to repair harm that feels good to them, because that's really important. Because otherwise, if we're just telling them to do something, it's 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 punishment right? It's not something they want to do. We want them to repair harm.
0: Right. Thank you for that. Um, and Ellen, what are your thoughts on restorative justice?
2: Yeah, I, I think that restorative justice definitely needs to be a bigger part of the justice system. And like Vanessa was talking about, it can definitely help help us start to see the person behind the act. And I think it will help in thinking about like the logistics of the justice system, like judges and lawyers, I think it will end up helping us make more accurate decisions in cases um, that fit the person better. So it's less of a punishment and more of a um, yes, repairing the harm, but then, like, I kind of think of like sending people to prison as like sweeping them under the rug. Like, you're not actually solving the problem. You're just kind of sticking someone out of the sight of society for a while so that society kind of forgets about it and moves on on their own. And I don't think that's the way it should be done. I think. People should repair the harm that they cause, but then like also come out of that themselves with sort of like a different outlook on life and, and the ability to move forward from that crime and create something else with their lives, if that makes any sense.
1: Oh, it does. And I think a major part of repairing harm is community involvement. So, Vanessa, how do you how would you like to see the community get involved, um, especially in our criminal systems?
3: Well, one, I love the youth voice, right? You guys have a a new perspective. I grew up in a time where it was just, it was punishment. You did something, you, you know, went to detention in school, or you, you um, had to pay a court fee. I see youth today as... A little more introspective you guys are looking a little bit deeper you want more meaning um which i love because i think it's really important that we see each other um as individuals and see where each person has come from because we all have a, a different story and being in a space where we can see our differences um but still want to help each other and still want to build community. And it does. It it takes a village, right? We need to do this together and we need to have all voices um, in that. So with teen court, you know, we want the victim's voice represented. We want the community's voice represented. We want the parents' voice represented. Uh, represented, and then the teens' voice represented, and we're just ha- we're having a dialogue. We're talking. How do we make this work? How do we move forward? Like, like Ellen said, let's move forward from this.
1: And then, Ellen, how would you like to see the community get involved in these issues? Because you were saying like putting people in prison just sweeps them under the rug, so community forgets. How can we get the community re-involved?
2: The community definitely needs to be involved because if a decision is made with just the victim and the, um, what do they call the defendant? Yeah, the defendant. (laughs) But if a decision is made like in an enclosed space, the community's not going to understand the logic behind it. Um, and like, that's just going to cause more anger and more problems because people are seeing a problem that wasn't solved in a way that makes sense to them. And so I think the community definitely needs to be involved. There definitely needs to be community input, um, And every side of the story is valued and every side of the story is heard, whether it's the person who was impacted, the person who did the impacting, and then the bystanders, the people that are just kind of looking in with an outside perspective. Everyone should sort of come out of that with a different perspective, whether it was like on the crime or the person or just like the issue in general. Um, Everyone should kind of have... I don't want to say closure, but, like, a conclusion to that and understand what happened, Um, understand the person who committed the crime, understand how the victim feels. It's restorative justice is that everyone has a voice. Everyone is involved. Yeah, I don't really know how else to phrase that.
3: Well, I like how you brought up impacts, right? Because we all—whatever action we do impacts, no matter how little or big. And I don't think— that we necessarily understand that, but when you bring the community into it, now you're seeing faces, right? And it's like, oh, there's like 10 people that I impacted, and some of these I don't even know, but you're hearing their story on how we, their action impacted them, and that's pretty powerful because you, you put a human face to it. That's, that's what I like. There's a, a, a connection. It's heart-to-heart, and that's really important.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things I actually love about teen court. And I think, you know, it's great that we bring youth from all of our communities on a teen court because I feel like, especially this generation, is able to see beyond that action or that one mistake and they see you for the person you are rather than the act that you, you know, did. And I think also teen court is an opportunity for individuals to get that second chance. And I think, honestly, some individuals deserve more than even a second chance because I truly believe majority of the time nobody intentionally does something to hurt somebody else. And I think seeing beyond that and seeing the good in them and, you know, um, if you do give them like a sentence or hold them accountable for their actions, make them do something that that they enjoy or they love or one way that you know they're definitely giving back, even if that's just giving back to themselves and their own self esteem and building themselves
3: up. That's a really good point. Because when you feel good about what you're doing, you're making better choices, right? And you're showing your light to the world. And that's where we want people to be. And teen court does that.
1: Yeah. It's all about how you move on from that mistake. You can let your mistake define you, but if you're able to grow past that and move past that, and doing something you love can really help.
3: Right? You got to make mistakes. And I have made a few, just three. (laughs) I've made a few in my lifetime. And I can tell you as an adult, the times that were my really big challenges and the places where I really messed up were the biggest growth opportunities I've had and where I've become a better person from it. So being able to look back and going, oh, okay, that was really bad that that happened, but I'm really glad that it happened because I was able to learn from it, grow from it, build integrity, character.
2: Yeah, I really like that. Um, And then just sort of thinking about, I'm gonna tie this back to sort of going to prison and um, how that impacts people that's sort of a space where people aren't allowed to grow from their mistakes and you're just sort of keeping them in in the same place that they were when they made the mistake. Um, and so I, that's one thing I really just don't like about our justice system is how we just send people to prison. And it, it's kind of, it's it's more like a factory than a, a place where people can find justice. People come in, they go to prison, they get out of prison, and then very frequently people make more mistakes and go back to prison. And that is just something that really doesn't sit well with me. And so I think one of the things that I hope to see in the justice system someday is that um, we can sort of make it so that people can fix their mistakes and grow from it rather than just sitting with it for years.
3: Yeah, I like how you brought up, Ellen, um, you know, when they leave prison. What does the reintegration look like? Are we giving people an opportunity to be better, right? If you come out of prison with a a felony, can you even rent an apartment? Can you get a job at McDonald's? We're keeping people, like you said, in that box, going back to the behaviors that got them to the place that put them in jail. We need, as a community, need to do better. We need to have companies that are willing to hire people with felonies, we need to have landlords that are willing to rent to them.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there because I feel like a lot of our justice system today is all about, you know, just like reprimanding people and more of that like punishment factor rather than really that growth factor, which is the way I feel like our justice system needs to move. It shouldn't be restricting individuals on com- in our community, but rather bringing them to a place where they grow. Because that's what
3: mistakes are really for. Yeah, I like that. Yes.
1: All right. So as we wrap up today, um, we're going to move into what we call our call to action. This is basically how you can get our listeners involved and what what is the final message you want to say to them. So Ellen, we'll start with you. How can youth and adults work together to create a more equitable justice system?
2: I think that youth should be encouraged to get involved and share their opinions and their ideas because our youth, especially today, um, we have a lot more access to to the world and to other people. And so I think youth and adults can definitely work together to go deeper into issues. And then specifically talking about the, the court system and um, justice, youth should definitely share their voices and be encouraged to share their voices and then also like from a young age be thinking about the issues that they see in the world and this is very like basic thinking but like like how to solve those issues and like if they see an african-american man be murdered by police like what are they going to say about it like what are they going to do about it because obviously we know that that's wrong and so like how can they sort of step into a position where they can share those ideas. And then adults should definitely help make those spaces um, and encourage them and then also provide resources and sort of foster that thinking.
3: No, I agree. Um, I think as adults, we need to create a space for youth to be able to voice their opinions. Um, The City of Lone Tree, our mayor, uh, Mayor Millett and our council members, have created a space for youth. They give them time at the podium when we have our city council um, meetings. They let them talk, they let them share. They actually genuinely um, want to know what's going on and hear um, what's important to them. And teen court is very important to the city of Lone Tree. They want to see it um, grow and be bigger and more helpful. Um, And so my job in that is to help facilitate the youth voice, and, you know, with that, we have a group called Student Leadership Board, where they help collaborate with um, me and the teen court on, like, what what kind of questions are we asking? Are we being equitable? Are we, um, you know, being creative in our ideas for sentencing, like sanctions, um, orders? Um, And so just creating that that space um, as an adult, creating that space for youth to feel free and comfortable to share their their voice. Thank you
1: so much for being with us here today, and thank you so much for sharing your experiences um, and how we can move forward from here.
0: I think it was a great conversation that we had and um, a couple of good points were brought up, such as I know Vanessa talked about making the restorative system more about a place of love and more of about the individual itself rather than the actions that they committed and seeing beyond the surface level of an individual because you truly never know what's going on with somebody until you dig deeper and, you know, give, give sentences that are more appropriate for each individual so that each of them have the ability to grow rather than trying to give them, you know, something that's generic and something that won't really let them grow individually.
1: Right. I agree. And to bring what you're saying into like a broader light is just looking past people's labels. I mean, society, we directly and sometimes indirectly put labels on people And when we're able to understand and combat our own biases and look past them and look past those labels, we can see that individual person. And I think that's a recurring theme so far, especially in this season is looking past labels and understanding who the person is and the story behind that person. And I think that was, um, again, brought up by both Vanessa and Ellen talking about Who is the person behind the crime? Who is the person? What's their story? What's their life? And how can, as a community, how can we help them grow and learn from their mistake and not just put more labels on them like felon, like criminal? But how can we make it a person? Because they are a person.
0: Being a part of the young generation it's common to make mistakes, and mistakes should be an opportunity for growth rather than a place, you know, to be set back or a place where your self-esteem is hurt. And I think moving forward, the justice system definitely needs to change and move away from being a place of of hurt and more of, like, reprimanding individuals and more of a place of love and a place of understanding, like Vanessa mentioned.
1: That's a great call out. And what I would like to say to all of our listeners out there is find out how you can get involved, even if it's small personal changes to where you're trying to find your own biases, where you're trying to work on looking past the labels that society puts on people and just see an individual person for who they are.
0: to our listeners out there. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation with Ellen and Vanessa. If you're interested in learning more about our guests, you can find more on the CYL website.
1: Today's episode of Generation Collaboration was engineered by Devante Parker and edited by David Layden. Our theme song, Find It, was recorded at Youth on Record by Esme Patterson and the members of the Youth on Record community. Generation Collaboration is produced by David Layden and Lauren Steve Back. Generation Collaboration is a co-production of Colorado Young Leaders and Youth on Record. Learn more about Colorado Young Leaders at coloradoyoungleaders.org or on Instagram and TikTok at coyoungleaders. You can learn more about Youth on Record and their programs at youthonrecord.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at youthonrecord. Support of our podcast comes from Civico, an organization activating civic-minded leaders across Colorado. Learn more at livecivico.org.
0: Thank you again for listening to Generation Collaboration. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can listen to this podcast on the Colorado Young Leaders website, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sanakshi. And I'm Brayden. And we'll see you next time on Generation Collaboration.